This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everyone. Obviously, I say it every time you can hear it, and that is we are not in the studio because we are road tripping. We're on our first big road trip of the year. Yes, and it feels like it's been forever because we had a massive, massive winter, and it took forever for us to just see like high mountain roads at all. Yeah. So now we're out uh, doing a road trip that uh, is not the Four Points, and it's also not the cars of the past. The 300ZX has a new owner. The 928 is not with us on this trip. We have our mid-engine cars, and it's really awesome. Yeah, Todd's got his Lotus Elise. I've got the C8 Corvette. Have you seen the wheels? Yes, people are loving the wheels. The name of the powder coat color is called Goldtastic. I couldn't resist. (laughs) I just thought, you know what? We're getting rid of the black. We're going gold. And I just embraced it. I'm very glad we got rid of the black. As, as many of you know, I do not like black wheels. I am yeah, not uh, like dedicated to gold wheels, but Paul is. I am now dedicated, and, uh, fully the, dedicated. The, the, he had them on stuff prior to our GR86. And now yeah. the GR86 had it, which looked great with the blue and gold wheels. I have to say, that was the absolute spec for that car. And then when we ended up with a blue Corvette, Paul said, like, I would like to get gold wheels. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. And you know, so we have gold wheels. It's Subaru colors, but it looks less Subaru-ish to my eye. Mm-hmm. It just looks striking and interesting and cool, yes. and I like it. Yes, I and agree. That car is great looking. Having I think it's great. Either driven behind it or having it quite close to me, but driving behind me for the last couple of days, it is it is menacing and really cool. You know what has shocked me about that car? Honestly, mm. while we're on the subject, and we, you, many of you guys have got questions. We'll come back to those about these road trips, but... What has really surprised me is all of you listening are aware of the fact that the eighth generation Corvette, the C8, is a mid-engine car. Yep. And it looks kind of like a Ferrari. Yeah. With Corvette styling. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is not a surprise to any of you listening, but we have had multiple conversations with people that have walked up to you and asked what kind of car it was, and when they find that it's a Corvette, they are kind of silent. They don't know how to process <laughs> There's no follow-up question because it looks unlike any other production Corvette has ever looked. And, and, yeah. I, and I don't mean this, I, I really don't mean this to sound flippant, but we're over it. We know that that transition's happened. We're very excited about the car, <laughs> yeah. but the fact that the mid-engine Corvette exists and it looks like this, that has already, that's like way down the road on processing power. Yeah. So to, to, yeah. it's a, but it's amazing to me that even though these cars are out there to meet so many people that still don't have any idea what it is. Well, people don't have any idea what your car is, but that, that's because that you don't I'm, that see I'm used them, to seeing. But, that I'm un- understandable. Yeah, but but yeah. the C8, it, it's just like any car, and we've talked about this, about cars that are out and old news mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to us, and nobody's seen them. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen any Nissan Zs in the wild. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. like coming up on two years old. Yeah, I it's have not old seen news anything as far that as wasn't a press yeah. car journalists. It's just not on your radar anymore, and then people are going, hey. The new thing, whatever that is. Wow. I so wish the announcement and the launches of these new cars we're all going to be excited about were closer to the you can go buy one. It's not going to happen. I wish. But I really wish it was, you know, we're we're doing the press launch and the press reveal right now, and in a month or two months, they'll be in dealers. Because then you could really ride that hype wave into purchasing. I I don't know how much, unless you have a sign up list where it's like we're this many people deep and we're accepting orders. 
Short of that, I don't know how that hype train helps you. The hype train was 18 months ago. <laughs> Let's have a shorter hype train? Yes. Uh, not as long. Yes. And then it's released, and it's in the news, and lo and behold, they've made them. Whoa. They're in dealers. Buy you can one. go buy one. I, that would be amazing. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. Griot's has also just introduced the cordless foaming sprayer as well. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches. These are the safest ways to wash your ride. If you need to get the bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. There's also tar and sap remover if you parked under a tree. Griot's offers wash and detail kits which make it easy to get the right products all together. Whether you need a starter car care kit, or you're breaking out the foam cannon, or you're detailing your interior, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. It's been a couple months since we've touched on car conclusions, and all of you listening have been amazing to write to us. It's really cool. You've got stories, you've got conclusions, you've got cars that you bought you didn't think you would get. <laughs> Love those stories. I, I Budgets really you blew it. all by yourself yes. without our help. <laughs> that happens too. See, we've trained everybody properly. Yep, you've done well. Blow your own budgets. We are starting with Stephen L. in Portland, Oregon, writing to us. He bought his obtainable dream car. Love that. Stephen, congratulations. He's been listening to podcasts since 2019. He's even gone through the back catalog. Thank you. That's cool. He has been road tripping, commuting, working. The podcast is on whenever that is happening. And he says, after a string of off-road vehicles and big trucks, he got a promotion at work. Congratulations. He bought his obtainable dream car, which is a red 2017 Alfa Romeo Giulia Q4, and Whoa. he's in love. That's fantastic, Stephen. I, I love that. And and you you list off here many, 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 many trucks. There's a lot on Lifted, there. changed, etc. Yeah. Trucks from, from everybody. GMC and Toyota and all kinds of stuff. And uh, this is such a change for you. And I think it's amazing that you got it. And what I like is that you considered it. Mm-hmm. The Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm going to buy a car, so I'll buy a Camry or I'll buy a, a three series. I'm not. I'm not dissing those cars. Alfa Romeo Giulia is not the obvious choice. When I'm stopping buying <laughs> trucks, I'm buying a car. I love that mm-hmm. we we affected you that much that you went out and actually even drove one, let alone bought it. And I'm thrilled that you like it. Stephen is a supervisor with the Postal Service. He got a hefty pay raise at work, and he's been eyeing them since the day they came out, and That's he was cool. finally in a position to buy him buy his first Julia, his first sports sedan. Mm-hmm. Stephen, this is awesome. Congratulations. He has two postscripts. The first one is now, he admits, he has to save up and buy his wife a Macan or a Stelvio. 
And then Todd, what are you doing with your old Cayenne? <laughs> it's it's still pending. It is still pending. Yeah, right. We've talked about various things. We talked about trading and trying to trade it across money wise for an old Jeep, but that means, by the way, an old Jeep. <laughs> yeah. So there's that older than you thought. And then uh, there's also discussion about should so should we just do off roady things with this Cayenne? I don't know. And you've asked if it's going to be my son's first car. You may have heard me mention on the podcast before. I mentioned that to him in passing, and he got angry. And then I, I had to kind of bring him that. down to real life. You're a Park City kid. You're an only child. Calm down. A Cayenne would be okay. But he, but to his credit, though, and I, and I do want to encourage this, he has his eyes on something smaller, manual transmission, and more involving. And I really can't argue any of those points. True. But he did. He was kind of intrigued. And I was like, wait, off-road Cayenne, Dad? That's what are you doing? He was now like, he's backpedaling. He, he was no. He was ha, at least, ha, ha. to his credit. He was curious. I'll give him Funny. that. Brian B. is in San Diego writing to us with two success stories. Brian, thanks for writing. Really appreciate it. First, his brother-in-law, who is 40, lives in San Diego with two kids, five and seven, was recently nearing the end of his lease on a 2019 Jaguar F-Pace. After more than three years of driving the Jag, he dispassionately summed up his ownership experience as fine. He likes special and sporty cars. He's not afflicted with the car disease, well, yet, until, uh, you know. <laughs> Just wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little more time here. He's got a long history of Volkswagen ownership, but because of current life circumstances, he was in need of a bridge car for a year to a year and a half, and then he's set on getting a Porsche Macan S, that dream fun dad car with a great job, kind of, you know, got the SUV, got the Porsche badge. I love it. Between work and life, he says his car search were in the time available for the car search. Yeah, he just wasn't interested. Short supply. And he's not really a super car guy. So that was the other part about it is he just didn't care. I love this, that the the sum up of the F-Pace was, it was fine. Yeah. And we have Volkswagen history here. So he was actually eyeing the Audi SQ5. And (laughs) so Brian shows his brother-in-law. He shows him our SQ5 review. (laughs) And his brother-in-law was surprised, and I actually really love this. His, uh, look, I am not saying you can't have an Audi SQ5 and love it, okay? We didn't like it. Spoiler alert. But, <laughs> but, but what was interesting here is that when Brian showed that review to his brother-in-law, his brother-in-law was surprised that it was possible to spend a bunch of money on a car and wind up with something that disappointed you. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you discovered that and... Brian, I'm glad that you are sharing this with him yeah, because cool. he said he, the, the path of least resistance was gaining appeal. So he's inquiring with Brian about late model RAV4s, going off the reservation with a Pajero Evo, <laughs> okay. but didn't like the right-hand drive. Right, that's uh, something to think about every morning when you go to work. Yeah, every single time, yeah. He, sa- he said to Brian... Since you're probably, no, Brian said to him, right? Because he was looking, here's the problem. Once he got, Brian said to, once he got turned, up, turned off his on the Audi idea and can't get a Macan, but he's, you know, he's waiting that year and a half for a Macan. So this is the bridge car. And so he just decided, forget it, I'm going to get an appliance. And Brian said, hang on a minute. You're about to buy your dream automatic SUV and crossover that you think you're going to have until the wheels fall off. But you've got a year to 18 months now that it doesn't matter what you drive. So go drive something you'd never buy otherwise. And for whatever reason, that clicked. <laughs> he said it. Brian played on his history of Volkswagen ownership, and so Brian just casually suggested a Golf R. The inception worked, mm-hmm. he writes. So now his brother-in-law is a proud owner of a 2019 Golf R six-speed with 28,000 miles. Love it. Batman spec, black on black wheels, okay. and is absolutely thrilled. 
His brother-in-law texts and calls Brian four to five times a week since he bought it to tell Brian how much he loves the car. That's a huge victory. Congrats to both of you. That's amazing. His favorite car he's ever owned. Mm. And to thank him from steering him away from owning yet another car that was just fine. That's that's a huge victory. That's what we're, we're fighting for. I know I've said this many times on the podcast, but we want you to have a car you look back at and you yes. like. We want you to have a car that when you're paying for it, you're, you're like, yes, I will pay that to have that car. It needs to be something that's exciting to you if you have any interest in cars whatsoever because cars are expensive, so let's love it. Brian continues with his own use case. He and his wife were searching for his wife's third car. As her new daily in San Diego, she's an attorney and her primary driving is a 12-mile round-trip commute from the office downtown, highway bombing to courthouses all over Southern California, sometimes 300 to 400 miles in a day. That's a a ton of running around. That's a lot of driving. She passively likes cool cars Mm -hmm. and is shockingly tolerant of Brian's perpetual esoteric automotive soliloquy, (laughs) but... But she just likes the finer things in life. For the past year, she's been driving their 03 Boxster S six-speed. and Oh, it's a lapis blue over gray. It sounds awesome. And he said they both love, love it. it. But, but here's what's interesting, though. Let's lay that alongside. Before we go the what next place this goes, which is a huge turn, think about the fact she's driving a 2003 Boxster S six-speed. Great car. Yeah. Back and forth around L.A., sometimes hundreds of miles a day. As much as I like the Boxster... That's not great for the Boxster. That doesn't play to the Boxster's strengths. No. Unless she's doing like no. back roads down Highway which 1, which is she, not of course she's not. Happening. Yeah. So, she came, so she came to him and said, um, you know what I really want for my commuter? A quiet, comfortable, luxurious, and safe car as much as we can afford with reliable Bluetooth for phone calls. She needs a respite car because of how she uses it daily. She loves the Boxster, but she just realized... That's not its strength, and I need a place to hide. <laughs> well, she's got this GTI history. They also considered Golf R's. Mm. That's interesting. Notice a pattern, Brian. You like those Golf R's. It's good. They're excellent. I see it. We've suggested Alpha Julia's a lot. We have. They considered Mach-E's, Ioniq 5's, even a RAV4 Prime. Mm-hmm. But then they watched our test drive of the Volvo S60 T8, mm. so they became intrigued. Now, Brian grew up in rear-facing bench seats in a Volvo 740 wagon, an 850 turbo wagon. Remember those? Yeah. The 850 turbo wagon is sweet. It is cool. Making a brick fast. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. After test driving a few S60s in various trims, they dug through every couch cushion in their house. (laughs) 45 days of daily hunting on Auto Tempest. Brian finally found her a dream spec, fully loaded 2019 XC60 T8 inscription. Hmm. That 2019 year was when Volvo had all the names. Yeah. They've since whittled them down, so <laughs> kind it's, of. it's a little yeah. smaller. Mm-hmm. Amber interior, massage seats, Bowers & Wilkins audio, air suspension, pilot assist, and most importantly, the CPO warranty, which covers the car until 2029, or 999,999 999 miles. <laughs> it's not, it's, we can't offer you the full million mile warranty. What if we take a mile off? Between now and 2029. Are you okay there? Okay. Will you be all right? Yeah, that's a lot of miles. But but think about it. Look at back at that list that you just listed. This has all of the nice, luxurious features. Mm. Everything. He calls it the luxury Swedish techno egg, <laughs> which is the it. perfect choice. So now she commutes and does local errands with calming, silent, electric, 472 pound-feet of torque on tap, 
and then comes out to a relaxing massage after a stressful court appearance or client meeting. I see that. I totally get it. And Brian gets to check both Swedish and twin charged off his lifetime automotive bingo card. I want to see that card because I didn't know that was on there, <laughs> but apparently either. that got checked off. What I like about this, though, is this is the new commute card, and it feels like it's such a perfect choice. I'm so glad, Brian, for actual commuting because the Boxster S stayed. It now gets to be the fun car and date night car and special event car, which I, I guarantee you, Brian, your wife's going to like that car even more now. <laughs> she is. <laughs> this is so well written because that's their fun drive and date night car. Brian still has an O2 WRX wagon, but right now he's trying to position, petition his <laughs> MOF that a Lotus Elise is a logical choice. And a sound financial decision to replace that Boxster one day, he says, with the patience and persistence of a man trying to wear down a mountain of granite with a piece of silk. Good luck, Brian. That is a great <laughs> sentence, and I love that. And yeah, the Elise is, you think the, the Boxster is a, is a hardcore choice. <clears throat> There's a different level. Stephen Jay is in Cincinnati, Ohio, writing to us with a conclusion five years in the making. And the conclusion is a car I've actually never heard of anyone else write in with the car that he wound up with. Yeah, I like this. It's pretty cool. His search may have helped cultivate my uh, growth of the Maserati love here. <laughs> okay. His, he does include his car history of uh, about the last 10 years, including an 03 XJR, 06 GTO, 6 manual transmission, and... There's a ooh, ton of stuff custom on here. 89 Olds Custom Cruiser, <laughs> Volvo S60R, Hyundai Sonata... And he's had an Audi S, uh, A3 S-Line and a Denali XL. I mean, a lot of varied stuff. He's driven a ton of stuff in the interim years. And he finally had that Audi S3 in February. Carmack shipped it down from Washington due to, to Denver. And then they realized there was an issue with the title. So he couldn't get that car. So he went back to, to, to browsing around and found at his local Carmax a car that I think they sold like 100 one year. It was a 2020 Genesis G70, which we love, but it was the two-liter turbo sport in six-speed manual. They sold so few of those cars, and he found one and bought it. He is about a month into ownership, and he loves it. He said now it really would benefit from about 100 more horsepower. Because, again, they only offered the manual well, yeah. with the small yeah. engine. But he said the reality is he loves it. It's manual, rear-wheel drive, limited slip differential. It's just it's fantastic. The A3 hasn't actually gone away but what's amazing is that this Genesis was not something he set out to find. Now he drives it, and he loves it. That's fantastic. Stephen, congratulations. And you're the only one I know with one. Yeah, that's true. Reginald Y. in Omaha, Nebraska, writes to us about run-flat tires. For starters, he blames us. After <laughs> Many <laughs> people do. For many that's things, true. Reginald. That's true. Yeah. Uh, after watching our top manual coupes under $10,000 videos on YouTube, he purchased an 03 Z4. Okay. A 2.5i one-owner roadster with 24,000 miles on it? Hmm. You purchased a 20-year-old car with 24,000 miles on it. That means that person bought it as their plaything and never, ever drove it. Since he bought it, he's put 2,000 miles on it in three weeks of ownership. That's a good purchase. You clearly like it. I love it. <laughs> he's put, what, a tenth yep, of the amazing. miles on it? Yes. The... Yes. Wow. His Audi A5 Sport, Sportback, will absolutely sit until the roads are treated in Omaha, Nebraska. He writes, his question is, the car currently has Pirelli run flats on it. He does not like the handling of these tires. 
He's tried tweaking air pressures within reason, but he still does not care for the performance. Mm. The issue he has is the car has no room for a spare. And right now his son is looking to play baseball in college, so he and his wife have road trips in their future. Does he really want the, to chance a road trip without run flats or a spare for this car? This is interesting, Reginald. First off, I want to talk about run flats. In general, I don't care the brand. It's going to feel a lot better to drive whatever car you can think of if it's not on run flats. Absolutely. I don't care whose run flats yep. we're talking about. And here, here's, here's the other problem with run flats, and that is you are buying a tire that is worse for 95% of the usage you'll ever do. The only time you're glad you bought Maybe it is, exactly, that's great, is the off chance you actually damage that tire. And yeah. look, look, we, look I, I have to back up and look at us for a second. We are the crazy idiots who just did cross-country road trips <laughs> in a 1983 Porsche 928, and I had a 1991 300ZX Twin Turbo, which so many people will only drive those to cars and coffee because they are supposed to be so unreliable and terrible to work on. And right. we just set out. Yeah, we did. We didn't. Here's the thing you have to also understand. There wasn't like, get the team together. Let's prep the cars. It was like, was that gas? Is oil recent? Let's go. Exactly. There's not a lot of prep. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the thing I, I really want to say is, look, I realize that we are fringe in what I'm about to say as we're taking chances. But the other thing you have to know is when we do these road trips, it's three of us. Mm -hmm. Okay. True. You can watch lots of other YouTube channels that take half a dozen people. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what they're all doing, but that's a side note. <laughs> but, but you and you look at the Top Gear road trips, which are great, but there's 50 people yeah. outside the yeah. host, not on camera. We have none of this support crew. It is you and me, Paul, mm -hmm. and Chance in the support vehicle, mm -hmm. and that is the entire crew, and we just go. My point on all of this, Reginald, and you may not be as ridiculous as we are, but. Take a road trip without a spare and without run flats. The chances of you actually having a damage on a modern tire are slim. It's not impossible. I mean, we say that now and then the, like 50 his miles first, down the road, he'll be like, His first road trip is going to have a problem and you're going to have to get <laughs> flat vetted. I understand. Yeah. Of course, it's going to go. But, but the chances on modern tires mm -hmm. on current roads are slim. Now, look, don't aim for the potholes, all right? <laughs> You know, right. I I I blew, I literally blew a tire on our new 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 to us Cayenne this winter yeah. because I got surprised by a pothole and it cut it like a can opener. Awful, absolutely Still awful, not believe. a fun experience. Yeah. But that is such an outlier of a moment, and that's the first flat tire I've had on a car of any kind in, gosh, twenty years. I want to say. Not to say it doesn't happen, no, but of course on this road trip, you and I both do not have spares or run flats on mm -hmm. either the Elise or the C8. You're absolutely right. See, it It comes with goo. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, and the just, Elise comes with, you're driving at Elise. Just think about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Just wait for it. Yeah. You're the, you're the one. It's, yeah. it's on you. So <laughs> you, you could just bring the goo. You could just have the roadside assistance in your hip pocket. And really, that's the best thing. Because yes. if you need roadside assistance, you're not going to want to get out there. You won't know what hour of the day it is. You're just going to want to need, need the assistance. So that's what we recommend. But we don't want that fear to keep you from taking a great car and mm -hmm. just setting out. Yes, check your tire pressures. Do all those pre-road trip checklists. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely go through it. You know, keep an eye on your pressures. Many people don't check pressures at all. Make sure at least all the pressures are within spec and they're all even. <laughs> That's a like, novel idea. Like, just start with that. 
because your tire pressure sensors aren't always accurate. They're not always calculated or calibrated, excuse me, for the altitude mm. that you're at, area of the country, and they might be off. So don't believe them. Get out there with an actual great mm. tire pressure gauge and spend time looking. And then, yeah, look ahead on the road. Don't hit the stuff. Don't hit potholes. <laughs> anyway. But we encourage you to do that. And yeah. That way you'll get out and you'll have fun. You'll and relax. And get, get tires that make the car fun to drive, mm -hmm. not tires that make the car worse to drive. But you know what? If the worst happens, then I'm somewhat okay. Exactly. Grayson G. in Denver, Colorado is writing to us with Rocky Mountain weather woes. Oh, well, that, that could surprise you for sure. Now, the reality is they just moved to Denver, Colorado from Charlotte, North Carolina, and he suddenly realized he and his girlfriend uh, did not bring the right cars. That's that's really the big the big takeaway here. He has a 2014 Scion FRS that he loves. She has a, uh, where is it? It's the it's a Camaro, but I forget which the spec is. I'll look down. Here it is, 2019 Camaro RS, which he describes as more pressure to, precious to her than some people's children are to them. So the 2019 hmm. Camaro SS is quite special. So they have these two cars, and they drove to Denver with all their stuff. He was driving the, the Penske truck that was hauling the FRS, and she was following in the Camaro, and they got to Denver, and right after they got there, there was a huge snowstorm, and they looked at each other and realized, we have two rear-wheel drive sports cars, and neither one of them even have really good all season all weathers on them yeah her car yeah. had worn all seasons not oh, all weathers man. and he had performance southern tires so you know what they did while it was snowing outside they didn't leave they stayed in the yeah house. they were trapped in their condo with two rear-wheel drive cars it, three days after they moved there yep oh man I'm so this sorry is, to hear this has changed their outlook on cars quite a bit yeah well, Grayson writes, after doing the test drive requests via Auto Tempest, he had his day of test driving planned. He learned that this podcast had ruined him. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're very you're welcome. welcome. You're very, very welcome. Yeah. He says, after hearing many conclusions centered around not sacrificing and hearing me throw a budget to the wind, it's what <laughs> I do here, Yep. he decided on a vehicle. His budget was $20,000, absolutely the max all in. He wanted a fuel-efficient commuter we and know a road trip going. vehicle. So, of course, he ended his day with the purchase of a one-owner, $25,000 2014 Jeep Grand Cherokee Summit Edition with the 5.7-liter Hemi, 80,000 miles in black. So, so hang on. You didn't just throw out the budget, Grayson. Here's the problem. Fuel-efficient commuter. You wanted no more than $20,000 fuel-efficient commuter and road trip vehicle, and you bought a Jeep Grand Cherokee for more money than you had with the big, thirsty V8. I kind of want to shake your hand. I really do. You just you didn't throw the budget out. You threw the whole list out and went, you know what I want? That. He says he's always wanted a V8. Well, yeah. He's always wanted to try off-roading, sure. And he's always wanted a more luxurious interior. There's the real box. There you go. Checked. I like it, yeah. And he admits all their needs pointed to a Subaru, the car of Colorado. But life is short, right? <laughs> Those are your words, Grayson, not yep, mine. Yep. He at least has the remote start, radar cruise control, memory heated and cooled seats, the sun and moonroof to soften the blow of a $5,000 budget increase. You got a lot of car for the money. <laughs> I, am, I am laughing about it, though. That's amazing. Uh, now he's got polar opposites in his garage between mm -hmm. uh, the Japanese lightweight, he says, with a four-banger and an American. He admits it's really a Mercedes, but ignore that. Let's see. A Mercedes owned by the Italians, 
built in Mexico and designed in Detroit. There we go. <laughs> and it has a Hemi. So that's very and good. And it's got a Hemi. Yeah, that's very good. He, 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 he had a co-worker <laughs> already tell him that he might just have the perfect Colorado garage. So I love that you have that FRS and that your girlfriend has that Camaro she likes quite a bit. But what a great Colorado car. And I'm going to say it to you, Grayson, if you haven't thought about it already, do not rely on that in the winter because it has a 4x4 badge on the side mm-hmm. and a gear shift in, in the interior. Please get proper winter weight rated tires. Yes, please. He ends his letter here with the sentence, he's glad that we push our listeners to find joy in what they drive, mm. even if it means wiping his financial tears on the beautiful brown leather seats. It's <laughs> good. It's very good. Rob R. is in Michigan writing to us about his upgrade to his commute from episode 776. Okay. He and his wife were on their way to northern Michigan listening to the podcast. It happened to be the episode where we aired his car debate, and they were laughing hysterically at the accuracy of the situation. Sometimes, Rob, we get it right. And when we get it right, it's like, ooh, <laughs> What when can, we get it wrong, we're like way off. Like, who are these idiots? Here's what I'm hearing. I am hearing your wife keeps looking at you during this drive going, no way. No <laughs> way. Because you weren't even planning on it being the one with it's your car debate. But I love that you guys happen to hear it together. I love that. That's so great. Well, our suggestions helped him shift his focus away from the, the Four Rings brand. Mm, okay. Especially right. outside of warranty years. He considered my sniper shot of the Elantra N, and he loves the new 2024 look, that refresh. That, that, I can't wait he to see what person looks good, yeah. But he searched high and low. He could not find a dealer within 200 miles that had a 2023 on the lot for more than two days in which he could schedule a test drive or okay. see it up close. So his search persisted. And then he found a 22 Genesis G70 all-wheel drive 3.3T mm. with low miles at a dealer close to him. Mallorca blue over black sport interior. That's gorgeous. He said shortly thereafter the test drive was... Shortly after the test drive, he he struck a deal. Mm-hmm. He owns it. I love it. It's fantastic. That's such a good car. Good for you, man. Rob, congratulations. He says, uh, based on the episode, we did not know his size. He's five foot ten, and he says the interior room was good for his needs. Fantastic. That's he, so good. He took delivery uh, not too long, uh, two weeks before he wrote to us. He's mm-hmm. already put six hundred miles on it. He's looking forward to the countless miles. Enjoyable commute. Fantastic, Rob. Congratulations. Thanks to all of you for writing to us your mm-hmm. car conclusions. It's the same place you write to us your debates, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Topic Tuesdays as well. Send us your emails. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because we are mid-road trip, you guys have had many, 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 did I say many yet? Mm-hmm. Many questions about the road trip. I'm going to cover a few of them. But by the way, isn't it amazing to, to all of you, it's certainly amazing to me, the wheels on the VET are the stock wheels. 
Yeah. They came with the black wheel with the silver rim, which, by the way, you have to actually pay extra for. This wasn't our spec. You know, we bought the car used. <laughs> Sandblasted that right yeah, off. But, but we looked at them and just thought, it's actually of uh, this personal opinion, of course, but I'm the guy that always wants to get aftermarket wheels. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. I don't like most manufacturers' wheels. But we kept looking at those wheels and saying, that may be the most attractive stock wheel that the Corvette The design is good. Yeah. yeah. So we got them off the car. We got them, what did you say, gold-tastic? Goldtastic is the actual name. That sounds like an ABBA cover band to me. But anyway, moving on. I don't so know we, about that. So we, we have them now, and the car does look great. And so I'm glad you guys are responding to it. So one of the questions I want to start with is Martin saying, how do we plan our road trips so we include great driving roads? Question coming from Facebook. There's a couple things that go on, Martin. One of the things that we do is we figure out, like, is there a, a, a inspiration destination? I'll give you a great example. We were going to Coda. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. We knew we were going to go to Austin to go to Circuit of the Americas. That was our south trip that we did with our cars of the past. Well, then you get the get good old Google Maps out and you just map what's the direct route mm -hmm. go, going in a diagonal from Park City down to Austin. And then we start kind of working our way out, like feelers out from the most direct route to find the squiggles that get you off the interstate. And then I, we start looking up like little weird roadside attractions. And if they're not... Look, if it's half a state away, we're not making the journey. But if it's right, an right. extra hour yeah. to see that weird, goofy thing we're never, ever going to see again or never thought existed, then let's go an extra hour. <laughs> you know, so we, start, right, we right. start mapping it that way. But one of the cool things is the same way that we actually scout roads for our normal location shoots, our normal comparisons, where we're looking for the good squiggles and doing the Google Map march down. It's similar stuff happens here. It's just we're trying to kind of go the proper direction and then veer off the path to the not the interstate most of the time. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. oh, look, we can hit that random thing on the side of the road while we're at it. Nate M. on Facebook bought an Elantra N. Mm. Ever since, he's noticed he's a lot less interested in other cars in general because it's so good. Interesting. What cars for us have the same ability to drown out other vehicles because they're just that good? I'm going to leave Porsche aside, and I'm going to say mm. that C8. Wow. That C8 is so good. It's treating me so well. Mm -hmm. I'm happy on the road. It's very comfortable. But I still get this cool supercar seating position. Yeah. Out the windshield, I see the fender flares, yeah. the tops of the fender peaks. And then when I want to drive fast, oh, it's fast. Yes, it is. I, I'm really enjoying that car. Are there things about it I would change? Yes, I would change the rear end styling. I would mm -hmm. like a lot more steering feel. And it's big. It's big mm -hmm. and heavy. But on the other hand, wow. I'm, I'm amazed by this car. And we're doing it, we're doing it right by putting miles on it and yeah. doing the road trip and finding these roads. I, I like the versatility of this car. You've had a couple big days in that car. I'm actually looking forward to driving it some I'm, on this road trip. I'm getting out after 400-mile yeah. days going, my back's fine. I'm not. <laughs> I know. Actually, actually that's, that's not fair. My back is fine. It's just I've sweated through my clothes because I don't have cooled seats. But the seats actually are surprisingly comfortable. I, I continue to be really surprised by the Lotus, I have to be honest. And, and that's something that keeps impressing me. In fact, that allows me to jump right here to Dan's question on Instagram. He says... Uh, what do I do, if anything, to add quote-unquote comfort to my long drives in the Lotus Elise? Now, I've said before, I do love this car. I love it on back Park. roads. <laughs> no, 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 no. Get no. out. I, 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 love, I love actually having it on back roads where it is simply amazing. 
Oh yeah. But there's a couple things that I have done. First off, when I bought it, it had uh, the Lorini aftermarket exhaust, which was just loud. Mm-hmm. Just just loud. And I'm not a loud exhaust guy to begin with, but that car creates so much noise anyway, and it's not like it has this big sonorous engine. We had a, a friend of the show, thank you, Justin, he, he actually took off his stock exhaust to put a different exhaust on, and he sent me his stock exhaust off his Elise, and I put it on, and now what's amazing is I can absolutely hear the engine, I can hear the cam change, I can do, hear all the stuff if I want to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if I'm at freeway speed and I drop it into sixth, the engine is quiet enough. Engine and, and, and remember, it's right behind your head. It's not like I moved anything. It's right behind your head with uh, a thin yes. sheet of metal. Yes. There's very little sound deadening. What's amazing is that at 80 miles an hour now, you almost don't hear the engine or the exhaust. That's fantastic. Now, you know, I, don't I will think say I've this. driven it since you've done the exhaust. Yeah, we're going to have to trade cars on this trip. I'm, I'm very curious for you to. For <laughs> you, you just to want seat time in the C8. I do. I do. But <laughs> I know, I, it's, it's not it's like I'm good. not loving the, the Elise. No, I know. But I know. what's interesting is now, granted, at 80 miles an hour, you have a lot of other wind noise. It's still a loud cabin. Yeah. But it's not a loud cabin with a droning exhaust. So, what I do, back to your question, to add comfort is noise canceling headphones. Yeah. Now, that's the you secret. can wear them in lots of cars. I mean, they're helpful in all kinds of cars. But it, it cuts down almost all of that wind noise. And that creates, honestly, one of the things that is most tiring about cars is the barrage of sound. Hmm. So it knocks that down. And except for the few times when it's 110 out and the air conditioning can't keep up, I have a great time. Oh, I'd like cruise control. That'd be nice, but I don't have that yet. <laughs> Ryan R. asks me if designers pay attention to body lines regarding my reflection shine mm. off the car in the light. Yes, Ryan, you're seeing it. I love it. He writes, there's something about Mazda's bodywork that makes him think so. Absolutely. Mm. Yes, designers design with highlights. The upward-facing mm. surfaces that catch light and reflect it back at your eye a certain way in a certain shape, absolutely that's thought about. It's light and shadow. Yes, it's certainly the lines and, and the proportion and a, a, a few cool characters, stylistic lines for sure, but absolutely they're always playing with the the upward facing surfaces and the downward ones to create a a to remove visual weight out of the car or add visual weight to it in certain mm-hmm. spots you know like a fender haunch in the back you want to add visual mass to it how do we do that without actually adding a whole bunch of mass we reshape that swell of the fender and we're talking in millimeters. Designers mm, mm. talk about, you know what, let's swell that out two millimeters. You're thinking to yourself, what? How, <laughs> how is that a swell? How will you even see that? Oh, you will. The surface treatment is so yeah. good. So yes, I'm so glad you're seeing that on cars and I love that you're paying attention to it. We just recently dropped a Amira standalone review on our test drive channel, it's actually playing very well. Now we loved doing our Amira versus our C8 versus the Cayman GTS 4.0. That's actually on the original Everyday Driver channel. But over on test drive channel, we just dropped the standalone that we shot at the same time of the Amira with the two of us in the car together. And we, um, how do I put this tactfully? We we dreamed a little, mm-hmm. we, we ruminated, and you actually ruminated on my behalf. You I, dreamed on my behalf because you would like me to have an Amira. Buddy, of course, I want you to have one. I, I would love to have one. It's only a hundred thousand dollar car. I but, know, but you know, I so and look, there's there's uh, there's you're discussions. Feeling, you're the recipient of my 
blow the budget rack. Yes, I am feeling it now for sure. But So there's a couple of questions here that relate to that. I want to speak to them. First off is Revs Up saying, how realistic is the possibility of adding an Amir to the stable? And uh, then Jared Rose 1 said, okay, he saw me ruminating about purchasing one. Let's say it still drove and sounded as good, but it looked like the Pontiac Aztec or the PT Cruiser. Would I still buy it as an only sports car? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. Not. I mean, one of the things, here's the thing. I love the Evora. I liked it in every single variant. From the base to the S to the 400 to the GT, I always liked the Evora, but I will tell yeah. you something. I never thought it was quite attractive enough. I liked it. Okay. I thought it was a 8. Okay. With a car that drives on a scale of 1 to 10, drove like an 11, but looked like an 8. And I was All like, right. you know, I'd like it to be a 9 or a 10. 8's still good. The, yeah. yeah, the, the Amira is like a 12. <laughs> I might take a point off for the weird nostrils. So maybe it's an 11 on a scale I of 1. I like the weird it's nostrils. It's a spectacular looking car. Yeah, in great. any color I've seen it in, even in the boring colors, it's still a great shape. And then it drives that well. So if it looked terrible, no, I would not want one. Because it strikes me, this is just me giving my own personal opinion, it strikes me as this is the hyper car I could possibly own. Mm-hmm. You've heard me talk on this show many times about the Pagani Huayra, mm-hmm. yeah. which I've never driven. I miss the fact that it wouldn't have a manual because I think involvement is key. But... That feels like the hyper car that I would pursue. If I had crazy money, I'd get a sure. wire just because that, yeah. let's get that. And of course, <laughs> styling is, is a big part of that one too. For sure. The Amira feels like the hyper car that I could actually own. So that's why it intrigues me. But that comes back to Rebs Up saying, how realistic is this? There's, there's two things here. There is the consideration that we have of wanting to have long-term cars to add to the fleet to do coverage on. And that, by 300ZX is a great example. That means cars that might not stay in the fleet. Mm-hmm. But then in the case of the Amira, it's a car that I am intrigued by and wonder, could it be a car I could have long term? Those are different financial discussions, by the way. There's the financial discussion of, could the show afford it for a period of time and then get rid of it? Or could the show afford right. it and then I can afford to keep it? Those are different conversations. Yeah. 300ZX is a great example. But I will say the realistic reality of this, the real problem is getting one. Because yeah. we, are, we are not on a list Mm-hmm. We would we have fought to try to get an allotment, but the problem is most people with allotments are two years ahead of us, and they have waited two years for their car. For sure. Yeah. So our ability to actually get one, because here here's the secondary problem, because of YouTube, if we want to cover one, we need to cover one on the front end of it being released in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and not three years later. Mm-hmm. I would still yes. cover one three years later. <laughs> sure. But the level of interest sure. of the average audience member is much better on the front end than in the middle, even though. The FRS still worked in our favor. So the difficulty is getting one at all, like getting a, you could have a car now. We'll chase the money, <laughs> but yeah, you could yeah. have a car now is the struggle. Yeah, agreed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Jeremy H. on Facebook has a huge question and asks if we would consider redoing the $8,000 challenge with a higher budget Mm. than hugs the $15,000 to $20,000 mark. 
Inflation jokes aside, he writes, what is the best Roadster you can buy for under 20K and what are the top 8, 10, eight to 10 cars in the running? He thinks it would be a worthy and eclectic piece of video. I think you're right, Jeremy, but at $8,000, there's a level of acceptance about things that break mm-hmm. and a level of acceptance about, you know what, it's just going to need money dumped into it. And yeah, I paid eight grand and mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to have to put some money into it to keep her running and do the thing that the prior owner didn't want to do and it's going to cost me 1500 bucks for the thing. There's, there's a lower tolerance or, or I guess a higher tolerance yes. level for that on the lower priced cars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we start talking about fifteen to $20,000 cars, it should just work and run. I just bought a $20,000 Roadster. Why am I suddenly having to dump money into it also? That, yeah. So we can't just assume across the board, now that it's they're all used, $20,000, mm-hmm. and we cannot not acknowledge that in mm-hmm. the review. That's good, that's good. We have to talk about this. We have to say, all yeah. right, well, twenty grand. if I suggest a $20,000 box to, to you, you will, so you will tell me, Paul, no, you're, you're wrong because 20000 yeah, you got the Boxster. Now what does it need yeah, to keep it at its great sure. Boxster level? So now you've just bought a $25,000, $30,000 car, which is kind of invalid. And if you're spending thirty grand, go get a nicer, newer car. Well, this is the debate that we have a lot, and it actually plays right exactly into Michael Witzel's question on Facebook. He said, how should cost of ownership factor into a purchase? He said there's insurance, maintenance, repairs, potential downtime, I mean, fuel costs. He said, for example, should you spend $50,000 on something new, brand new, warranty, everything's going to work, or $30,000 on something that feels equivalent in what it will do, but it might need $1,000 in repairs every year? Michael, this is a very personal question that I can't definitively answer, but I'll tell you what I think the parameter is. The parameter is your tolerance for being inconvenienced. Good. If you have a yeah. brand new car, this is the reason, we've talked about this before, this is the reason the cars at the bottom of the market that we all kind of know collectively are poorly made cars, but you can buy a brand new one mm-hmm. for the low 20,000s. Those sell because that is a person that has a specific budget and the car can never give them downtime, and it has to have a warranty if anything fails. That's why those cars sell. So let's play this up into, into performance cars. If you are a person who, you know what? I'm willing to take a potential reality that a car might break and I may have to get a loaner for a week or two, but I love this car. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind spending some money to make it a little bit better than it was the day I got it, because I love this car so much. You may be much more willing to buy the used car and do stuff to it than the person who the first time a car leaves them stranded, and I've known these people, the first time the car leaves them stranded, they're having conversations about, should I get rid of my car? I know. And that exists. So where is your tolerance level for having to do stuff, care and feeding of your car? Because at some point, and here's the other thing, over the life of owning a car, you personally can change. Yeah. You were okay with, you know what, it's been down a couple of weeks every year. I've owned it for the first couple of years. And by the third year, you're like, you know what, no, I can't do two more weeks of downtime. I'm right. tired of this car. Right. So that weighs out first. But I really think the inconvenience factor is the thing you have to weigh. We need Metzger 584. We need to help Metzger find a, a very colorful SUV and avoid getting a monochromatic SUV. Mm. What color on the 2023 Tahoe would we recommend? Uh, Metzger is drawn to the Silver Sage Metallic, but feels it may be too out there for such a big vehicle. No, actually, it makes it look very classy and elegant. Mm. I like the Sage. But if I'm going to go there, how about that nice red 
It's I, not a bright red. Yes, I think the red it's looks a, great. It actually is really striking, and it works even on a vehicle that big. Absolutely, a hundred percent. The red. It's unique. I do think the red is cool. I, I will go with that. That's the actually the radiant. I've got it look pulled up just so I can get it right. Radiant red tin coat is the really there bright red. There we go. They have a nice midnight blue metallic that's a little dark, but it, it is actually a really good color there as well. I think those are the two best choices. I'm looking at the Auburn metallic right now, and I yeah I agree. I don't like that. So it's the red <laughs> or the blue were both really really good options. Go. But you know what the the sage that you started with that actually is the color we had on that high country suburban that we drove for test drive. That's great was that color. So watch that test drive. It actually played really well. That was a good looking color. Yes, and it makes it look not quite as heavy. It makes it look just a little bit lighter. Yes, it's very That's nice. Very good. It's a great color. Alan O'Young got just got out of a Boxster. How to choose between a Cayman and a C6? Mm. Cayman, because I said so. Well, I do like that, Alan. I, and you have a similar question to Isaac, who's also debating cars related to the Cayman. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound on what Paul just said. Paul just said that because he loves mid-engine. Yep. And he loves the Cayman platform. And yep. I, cannot, I cannot argue against the Cayman whatsoever. But honestly, Alan, you need to drive both because... The C6 is a wonderful platform. It is a surprisingly it's a, good it's a surprisingly a great, fantastic interior. car to drive. Yeah. It is a poor interior that yeah. feels very dated. And the seats, yeah. depending upon which seats you wind up in, can be pretty bad. But it's got a lot of V8 personality. And you may find the balance of the front engine, rear drive, longer wheelbase to be something that you personally want to get more playful with. And by that, I do mean sideways. It's a lot harder <laughs> to be playful with, with a Cayman, even though it's, it's the most docile mid-engine out there, where the C6 is just kind of like, want to get the back out? Let's do that. So, so what, what <laughs> right. is the kind of flavor you want for your next car is part of, the, part of the question. I suspect since you got out of a Boxster, you're going to probably naturally gravitate toward the Cayman, and you cannot go wrong there. But then Isaac says, 987 Cayman S manual. That's a first-gen Cayman. Mm. He owns this car. Sweet car. That or the current updated Nissan Z manual. And Isaac, I have to resoundingly say Cayman. We'll leave it there. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We haven't gotten to all of them, but please keep asking. We yes. really appreciate it. We've got so much to do. On uh, on road trip weeks, we are so busy. And, it's so great, uh, though. Gathering all the footage from the day and going through it and seeing what we got and just... Yeah, it's so much fun to see all the shots that we've got during during uh, the shoot. And the and places we get to go and call it work. We're just so glad we can share it with you guys. Thank <laughs> you for watching really awesome. and listening. It's really cool. It's because of you guys. So thank you a million. We really appreciate it. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.